Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Good afternoon and welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley. Glad to have Kevin Flesh in studio with us as well. And we've got a jam-packed show for you today. Kevin, good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Did a little fishing this Did morning. Did a little fishing this morning. Yep, I was really Did careful. Did you do some catching or fishing? Not a whole lot of catching. <laughs> okay. I was really careful. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a gorgeous morning, though. Oh, it Holy beautiful. cow. The Colorado, you know, snow this week and then it's... One, it's going to pop. It, I know that they were, I was out in Cherry Creek and they were doing better before this humongous cold front came through this week with the snow and the rain and everything. But uh, there were lots of boats out there, lots of us out there doing a lot of fishing, but nobody was catching it looked like. Really? So. Wow. But it's, it happens, a big cold front like that. And the, it, I just couldn't find where the fish were with their mouths open. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to our second guest. Yes, yeah, so we'll see what Austin has yeah. to say. Of course, he just had a child, so hopefully know, man, he's not fishing much, but we'll see. Exactly. All right. Well, you've heard us the last few weeks. Well, we were talking about a topic that was uh, happening down in Grand Junction. Our good friend Dan Gates from Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunter Association was with us a few times, and um, that meeting wrapped up, and I wanted to get Dan on. And also, we've got on hold uh, Rich Tungett, and Rich is a friend of ours on Facebook and heavily involved in this as well. So, uh, Rich, we'll get up with you in just a second, so hang tight. And uh, we'll bring up Dan first. So, Dan, how are you, sir? Not too bad. How are you guys? Hey, man, we're doing great. We're doing great. Beautiful day. And before I, before I forget, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. It's Mother's Day weekend, so I uh, hope all the mothers out there have a, a great, great weekend and a happy Mother's Day. So, well, Dan... Um, Fill us in on this a little bit, and maybe for those that didn't catch you on the future shows, let's start at the beginning how this whole thing came about with our uh, veterinarian um, friend there even getting this on a, um, an issue for us. You bet. Uh, back in November of last year, Scott, um, a veterinarian down in Telluride, Colorado, decided to file a citizen's petition with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission uh, to ban what they called trophy hunting uh, of bobcats uh, by commercial or recreational take. And uh, so they, ju- they just pretty much wanted to ban bobcat take and harvest in the state. And as I alluded to, through five months of preparation of that, it just wasn't a bobcat issue. It became a, uh, an animal management, wildlife management, animal welfare, uh, sportsman's issue. And everything that they want to continually bring to the table is always misinformed. They're, they're misinformed understood from their position about what Colorado Parks and Wildlife actually does. And uh, so we went through several processes, and the meeting was postponed on several occasions. And then there was the bomb cyclone back in March, and it was postponed again, and then it was eventually scheduled for uh, this past Thursday. And uh, we went through the process. Uh, All sides were heard. The sportsmen turned out in force, and we had a very good uh, representation of the sportsman community not just trappers but but elk hunters and deer hunters and and bear hunters and pheasant hunters and and anybody that engages in in what colorado parks and wildlife actually does to manage our wildlife uh the commission took science took emotion took the political components and all into consideration and they voted unanimously uh to oppose the petition so we came out victorious 
for now. Right. Uh, this time around, and uh, it was a unanimous ten to zero uh, vote, and uh, we were happy with that. But realizing that most of these people will not stop, and there's already talk in their community to try to do something outside of the Wildlife Commission, whether that's legislation, litigation, or maybe even a, a ballot initiative in some way, shape, or form, if if they think that they can turn around and do that. So, relating to the person that made the petition, what's the, what exactly is the backing of that individual? Is it really just a veterinarian in Telluride that's interested in banning this particular hunting, or is there uh, another group or organization that's also involved? She's got personal ties to the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, and at this particular hearing, uh, the uh, Humane Society of the United States came out uh, in support of the petition, uh, as did... Prairie Protection Colorado, uh, which is an organization here on the Front Range in Colorado that uh, used to be primarily just interested in prairie dogs, but they picked up a, a wide variety of topics um, recently, and their executive director hmm. um, does not like what Parks and Wildlife does, does not like what hunters and trappers and fishermen and outdoor recreationists do. Uh, they say that they're accepting to, to forms of hunting, but when it really gets down to it, uh, I don't believe that that's the case, and and their past history has has exhibited that. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a pretty good lineup of of support from those what we call the animal rights community, and uh, and what we have found is, you know, like with any other uh, organized effort in any way, shape, or form, one person starts it, and another one's gain strength, and they turn around and try to jump on the bandwagon and help carry the load. <laughs> or let somebody else carry the load that they can put their name on to. So. Yep. Again, Dan Gates is with us. He's with Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunter Association. And uh, I want to bring up Rich Tungett real quick here. Rich, uh, thanks for being with us, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are y'all? We're doing great. We're doing great. And uh, Dan's still with us, too. So, Dan, if you've got any uh, comments awesome. as well. Um, Rich, was this was really a key thing, and, and, and it looks like, um, you know, sportsmen came up and really um, supported this because I think if we'd have went up there and you and Dan would have been there, that would have been a problem. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. Uh, the sportsmen, i got to say thanks to them all uh, for their turnout. Uh, it was a very good turnout. Uh, they acted professionally. Uh, my hat's off to them. Uh, the young gentleman that spoke during the meeting, uh, my heart goes out to him. He took care courage in what he said. Uh, said it from his heart, and mm -hmm. I felt for him. Right. Yeah, his his, na his name was Barrett Heisel. He was 14 years old, and he's a a agricultural kid from the Western Slope uh, and is, is highly involved in hunting and outdoor recreation type stuff, and, and he traps, uh, cage traps, bobcats, and other, other fur-bearing species, and he got up and, and spoke and made a very good presentation as well. Wow. And, Rich, because I think, as Dan alluded to, I mean, this is just one animal to start with, um, and this is the beginning. Don't you guys both feel this? This is just the beginning on our on the attacks on our hunting? Yeah, I believe it's just a stepping stone and a path for all of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and you know, they started out talking about it was the, it was the recreational and commercial take of uh, you know bobcats, but you know when you really got down to it, I mean they included hunting, and then there was constant mention about uh, a variety of other species, 
you know, not just on the hunt, on the hunting and or trapping side, but uh, their perception of the way wildlife is managed in this state, and they think they know better. And as I alluded to in my testimony, that I would much rather have the hundreds and hundreds of qualified biologists and, and game managers and researchers within Colorado Parks and Wildlife, the scientists, to be able to make the determinations of what is necessary and how to guide the wildlife management practices in this state under the North American model of wildlife conservation protocols. And uh, they, the, the opposition to those protocols and to that management opportunity, uh, they don't adhere to any of those beliefs. And people are allowed to believe whatever they want, but uh, the resource, as we speak about the wildlife, the habitat, the land and water conservation efforts, uh, they're going to continually suffer by the lack of management or the lack or the or the people that are trying to take that management opportunity away. Completely agree. Completely agree. I think that uh, when you look at all of the success stories relating to conservation in this country, it's all related to individuals who are interested in the resource in the hunting and fishing sort of realm. And it's none of these groups that that want to stop this opportunity of people to have the outdoor experience that have ever helped in conserving any wildlife. Yeah. I mean, they're just, the, you know, the turkey, turkey is a great example of how they've come back. And the individuals, I think, that are asking to have these animals uh, stopped hunting just don't understand how important that hunting heritage and uh, excitement about doing it causes these animals to have real value. And people really are concerned about them that cause the conservation to happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. So, Rich, exactly. Rich, let me ask you this. As a sportsman, Dan, you can comment on this as well, but... Are there things that we can do as sportsmen to be a little bit better? And, and, and by that, I mean, um, I mean, most of us at Hunter Fish, hey, we like to throw a picture on Facebook, different things like that. But is there a way we can be smarter about it and yet not compromising and still being able to post some pics and enjoy, you know, what we've done and out with our buddies doing things? You know, at this time, I'm under the emphasis that we need to kind of back away from the social media you know it's one thing to take pictures show your friends on your phone you know through a text message something that way but as far as social media goes there's so many trolls out there that are surfing looking for pictures to nab you know they did it with mine we all saw it um the pictures they nabbed from my facebook page uh social media is going to be the death of us all yeah we kind of need to back away from it mm-hmm well, and I'd like to add one thing on top of that, too, Scott. Uh, you know, Bruce Finley with uh, the Denver Post did a complete article on this particular subject in yesterday's paper. And, and, I, and I wrote Bruce an email this morning about the inconsistencies or the, uh, the, the information either taken out of context or not, not completely commented on. And, uh, and I think that's part of the problem, too, is when you turn around and do something on social media, or you do something through the news media, so to speak, um, some of that stuff can be taken out of context. You know, you say an entire paragraph, and they take out the middle part, but the middle part means a lot with the other two pieces and components to it. And the same on social media. A, a picture is worth a thousand words, but a picture with the text underneath of that, either pro or con, can give a completely different picture, so to speak, as to what the intent of the original photograph or the original story was. And I think that, you know, it's not just in the sportsman community. It could be, you know, look how many bad videos come out about police officers or, sure. or, or people on, on, the, on the border down on the south end. 
there's there's opportunities to educate and inform, but it's up to us as our individual communities, whether it's the sportsman community or the police community or whatever, to police our own rank and files, with no pun intended, and make sure that those messages get out in a, in a very educational and informative matter. Because uh, there's 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 not any way you can control what people do with the information that you provide, but if you provide the correct information, it's harder for them to to misunderstand it or, or miscue it. Right, right. Hey, are you guys cool to hang another segment with us? You bet. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Hang, hang tight. We'll be right back with more Sportsman of Colorado right after this. Don't let mosquitoes disrupt your family fun at your next barbecue or keep the kids from camping out in the backyard. Hey, this is Scott Watley, and I'm very happy that our outdoor activities have been mosquito-free for the last four years thanks to the fine folks at Mosquito Authority. Their mission is to help protect you and your family from mosquitoes and the diseases they carry. And did you know when your dog or cat is bitten by a mosquito, heartworm is one of the most common infections? At Mosquito Authority, they guarantee you won't be bothered by mosquitoes between treatments. And if you are, hey, all you have to do is call. They'll come back out, reassess your property, and if necessary, retreat at no additional charge. No contracts, no commitments. And best of all, no mosquitoes. Call 303-688-2847. That's 303-688-2847. Or visit MosquitoAuthority.com. After an accident, think about Flesh and Beck Law. After your accident... You didn't think it was a big deal. You didn't think you were injured. You didn't think you'd ever hurt that much. You didn't think you'd have to miss work. You didn't think physical therapy would take so long. You didn't think there'd be so many hospital bills. You didn't think that the insurance company would take so long and give so little. You definitely didn't think you'd ever be in this situation, but you are. After an accident, think Flesh and Beck Law. Flesh and Beck have the experience and the knowledge to think about all the details you didn't know you'd have to worry about. They will answer all of your questions and help you to determine if you are entitled to compensation for your pain and suffering. After an accident, think Flesh and Beck Law. 303-806-8886. 303-806-8886. Call today to find out if they can help you. Let me tell you about one of my favorite stores, The Outdoorsman's Attic, a consignment store for all of your adventure outdoor gear. Hunting, fishing, camping, kayaks, live bait, survival gear, backpacks, sleeping bags, firearms, and ammo. Save 20, 30, 40, and even 50% on new and pre-owned items at The Outdoorsman's Attic. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and save up to 20% on your purchase. This offer excludes firearms and ammo. Never pay retail again. Big savings and friendly service is what you'll find at the Outdoorsman's Attic. Located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Check them out, outdoorsmansattic.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman Colorado. My name is Scott Watley, along with Kevin Flesh. We appreciate you being with us. If you've got any questions for these guys, give us a call, 303-477-5600. we got Dan Gates with us from Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunter Association. Rich Tungett is also with us, and both these gentlemen were there in Grand Junction at this recent commission meeting on this Bobcat issue. So, Dan, where do we go from here? How? What do sportsmen need to do to stay involved up-to-date on these issues, um, to know when to show up at different deals. Um, 
you know, to show support? I mean, what do we do now? Well, the biggest thing is, um, you know, look at look at yourself in the mirror, and uh, there has to be some personal accountability as to what we do from a uh, recreational, so to speak, or avocational perspective when it comes to wildlife management. And and there's a there's a large segment of the population out there that doesn't understand. They don't recognize the benefits that sportsmen and conservation groups provide. And I think it's it's mandatory, it's imperative for us not only to police ourselves, but to actively engage. And, you know, you can, you can complain and gripe and moan. You can preach to the choir. You can try to get guys to show up. And it's great that everybody's a member of an organization. Right. But paying $30 or $40 to an organization that is carrying the brunt of the load, it's, it's up to them to do the groundwork. But when the time comes to deal with your legislators, to deal with commissioners, to deal with, with public events and functions, the boots on the ground type stuff, we have to figure out a way to, you know, to, to take accountability for our own actions. I mean, uh, when, when we get closer to the end of this conversation, I will read off to you the support level of what we've had on this particular issue because people understood that it wasn't a bobcat issue. It was a wildlife management issue. It was a, a, an animal rights issue. And if we don't start to look in the mirror and figure out who our allies are and who our enemies are and then figure out a way to, you know, whether you stand by the campfire and sing Kumbaya and eat s'mores or you just do it individually, a collective collaborative partnership is necessary and people have to step up and belly up to the bar or we will be divided and become more dysfunctional than what we ever thought we could ever be. Right. And Rich, real quick, and then Rich, we can, we can let you go. I don't want to tie up your day here, but um, these groups uh, that are the anti-hunting groups, they are for the most part, well-funded, well-organized. They put out something, hey, to show up, people show up. So what challenge would you put out there to our listeners to say, hey, when you see these things, we need your help? Right now, uh, you know, as you guys know, we have the the Facebook page that we run a lot of the ads on as they come available as to when these meetings are, uh, gatherings, what we're hearing through the anti-network, we're keeping everybody as informed as possible. We do have, you know, the upcoming meetings in Lahana and Telluride across the state. We will be attending those. And those that can make it will make it. Or if they can't and or don't have a way of making it there, we are trying to find ways of getting them there to show the support. Uh, my uh, employment, you know, allows me to do such. And, you know, I may not be monetarily rich, but... I feel like this is something we all must do. Sure, absolutely. Well, Dan, hang with us, Rich. Hey, man, we'll cut you loose, but, uh, hey, you're welcome anytime. Anything we need to know, uh, you're always welcome to come in, call in. Uh, Man, we'd be glad to have you, and we appreciate all you do. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, that's Rich Tungett. And, again, want to thank Rich for showing up for this and uh, being there with Dan. So, Dan, real quick, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you were kind enough to invite me up to Breckenridge for that uh, Partners in Colorado uh, with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Take just a minute and kind of give your um, end results of all that and all the different things you sat in there. I know a lot of, a lot of brain damage there, man, but, uh, but just talk about that meeting and um, how you felt after all that that you attended. Well, and for those, for those people that don't know, the, the Colorado Outdoor uh, partnership is a co-op of individuals that came together from different organizations from sportsmen and non-sportsmen alike 
and then the the partners conference was formulated under under uh, former director CPW director Bob Broshide has since moved on and moved to Arizona. But uh, th- that's a collective group of individuals. With th- this p- past conference, we had 550 attendees out of 250 different organizations around the state, and uh, getting them to understand the benefits and the repercussions and the ramifications uh, of people's encroachment on wildlife and habitat and the landscape and the resource and getting the mountain bikers and the kayakers and the rock climbers and the conservation groups and the and the bird hunters and the elk hunters and the backpackers and the 14ers and everybody together uh, to at least start to recognize the issues at hand and what is important to the backpackers might be different than what's different than what's important to the the four-wheeling crowd or the mountain biking crowd or the kayaking crowd and that might be different than what is for the the sportsman crowd whether you're an early season archery hunter or a late season predator hunter and you know there's snowmobiling groups and there's conservation minded groups there's youth groups trying to get kids into the outdoors and if you don't figure out a way to get involved in things like that and I and I have this em- embroidered on the back of our hats that if you don't have a seat at the table you you're on the menu and and I really <laughs> believe strongly in that concept mm-hmm. because people that don't understand how impactful their activity is on wildlife and habitat need to be educated. And the people that are interested in the wildlife and the habitat have to understand that the mountain biker has just as much of a right to be out there as anybody else. But how do you incorporate your ideas into theirs from a complete education process? Because as I've said over and over and over, the sportsmen, for the most part, engage in those activities 50 days out of the year primarily in the fall, excluding some turkey hunting and some small game hunting and duck hunting and stuff, but about 50 days out of the year over a two-and-a-half-month period where all those other recreationists and those outdoor users are pretty much 365 days a year with a strong overlap during the fall seasons that the hunters participate in. The resource is the primary benefit of all of that damage that we're creating, whether we're walking through the trail or whether we're hunting something, or whether we're kayaking down a river or mountain biking over a hill, we all have impact on it. And we keep putting 100,000 people a year into the state. We're going to get to a point, I don't know if it's a yeah. breaking point or not, but uh, it, it has to be a collective you know, mindset from individuals that have different perspectives to come together and understand why we do what we do, why they do what they do, and how we can turn around and make it better for the resource. Yeah. Yeah, and, and coordinate and collaborate together to figure out how to best use the resource for everyone's benefit. Yeah, and, and I and I have to say, I mean, you know, people that move into this state, they don't know where our water comes from. They don't know who manages the wildlife. They don't know that migratory corridors and calving grounds are detrimental to the to the species of what we're talking about. If if they've never been a part of that conversation, right? If they've never understood why are we building all these great big fences along these highways? Well. So, so we're dealing with uh, animal vehicle collisions, and we're helping the resource, but they don't understand that we've now broken up those migratory corridors, and we have to figure out some way to either increase the habitat, manage the habitat that we have better, uh, maybe maybe stop the, the fracturing of habitat and, and, and look at development uh, conversations. There, this is not an easy equation. Uh, it's not an easy answer or solution. And I think people need to understand that the representatives of multiple organizations and government entities and administrations 
they need to hear from the constituents, but the constituents that are educated are the ones that can make the best decisions. Yeah, for sure. Well, Dan, I know you wanted to talk about some of the people um, that were at this meeting in Grand Junction and supporters there, and we certainly want to give them a shout-out here. So just take a minute and let's recognize some of them. No, I do appreciate that because it's so important for the collaborative and partnership mentality in this. And I'll try to be brief, but it is a pretty long list. But what I wanted to make sure that your listeners understood, that everybody in every organization came together on this, and they need to continue to do so. So I'd like to give a, a big round of applause and a thanks out to Safari Club International, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Sertoma Club, the Four Corners of SCI, Fur Takers of America, Colorado Bow Hunters Association, the, Colorado, the El Paso County Shooting Sports Association, Colorado Wildlife Control Operators Association, Colorado State Muzzleloading Association, the Mule Deer Foundation, the National Wild Turkey Federation, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the Colorado Outfitters Association, Rocky Mountain Bighorn Society, Big Game Forever, Delta Waterfowl, Colorado Mule Deer Association, the National Trappers Association, Sportsmen for Community, Quail Forever, Pheasants Forever, the Congressional Sportsmen's Association, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, the Colorado Wildlife Federation, and the Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management, and last but not least, the ones that were under attack the most out of this was the Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunters Association. Those are, those are nationally recognized organizations, regionally recognized organizations, and local organizations totaling over 750,000 sportsmen that were represented on this. That's why we did what we did, and that's why we hope to continue to move this effort forward. All right. Well, Dan, hey, man, you're always welcome here, as you know, and uh, we will uh, certainly stay on top of all these different issues and uh, have you on um, as much as we need to just to keep us all informed because um, I think about every right, Kevin, we have is under attack yep. right now in Agreed. the state. Good work, well, Dan. Well, really well, good work. So. I appreciate it very much. One final note, just to, to where you guys know, is the next commission meeting in La Junta is on the 6th and 7th of June, and uh, HSUS, the Humane Society for the United States, is doing a mountain lion presentation, so you can bet where oh. that thing is going to go. Yep. we got to have people there then. All right, yes, Dan. Sir. Hey, man, enjoy the rest of your day, and we appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate everything you do. All right. Thank you, yeah. sir. That's Dan Gates, Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunter Association. we got to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk to new daddy, Austin Parr. Can't wait to talk to Austin. They just had a baby yesterday. So we'll have Austin on with us right after this. This is Red Merrill for Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is a weapon manufacturer that services the firearm enthusiast. From precision ARs to suppressors, Phoenix Weaponry can make your dreams come true. Phoenix Weaponry is a full-service gun shop that offers gunsmithing, coating, and modifications to your own weapon. Phoenix Weaponry, family-owned and operated right here in Colorado. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. Call today, 720-340-2496. Again, that's 720-340-2496. Or visit their website, phoenixweaponry.com. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and receive 10% off your custom-built weapon. Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality eye and vision care for over 50 years. Stack Optical is a family-owned business, and they're proud to be one of the few optical offices that have their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Your one-stop shop for all of your vision needs, eye exams, glasses, and contacts. And don't forget about the Stack Sports Pack. 
Let owner and certified optician Alan Stack customize a pair of specialized glasses that will make your next outing on the golf course or on the gun range better than ever before. Call today for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578. Or check them out at stackoptical.com. Ladies, I know you're tired of walking into the local gun store and seeing the same old thing. So let me tell you about Rampart Firearms. Just a quarter mile up Highway 67 off of Santa Fe and Sedalia, you will find a great selection of guns, ammo, tactical, and personal defense weapons. And if you or your spouse love to hunt, Rampart Firearms is a great stop for all of your hunting needs. Shotguns, rifles, pistols, anything from predator hunting to your next big game trip. Head to Rampart Firearms at the foot of the Rockies. Open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you will only pay a 4% tax on your purchase. RampartFirearms.com, 720-468-0050. That's 720-468-0050. Got a road trip planned for getting ready for your next outdoor adventure? Hi, this is Scott Watley for my friends at D&D Tire Service. At D&D Tire Service in Parker and Aurora, they understand automotive issues can be a headache and they never come at a convenient time. D&D Tire Service is family-owned and operated and is truly your one-stop shop for all of your automotive needs. All tires are reduced and for a limited time, there are some great rebates saving you up to $200. From belts to tires, wiper blades, oil changes, D&D Tire Service has you covered. For the location nearest you, call 303-699-7337. That's 303-699-7337. D&D Tire Service is the official auto repair shop of Sportsman of Colorado Radio. Let D&D Tire Service keep you and your family safe on the roads. DndTireService.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. If you're just joining us, my name is Scott Watley along with Kevin Flesh. We are glad you're with us once again. Happy Mother's Day. And now that actually fits our next guest wife, Courtney. So happy Mother's Day to Courtney. Austin Parr. Man, I know you're tired, Austin. You've been through a lot the last few days. <laughs> but congratulations, Certainly man. Have. Yeah, congrats. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Man, very exciting. Saw the pictures. Beautiful, beautiful little girl, Avery Marie, born yesterday at 4.31 p.m. So uh, exciting times there. Well, again, congrats, man. Uh, very cool. Your life will never Certainly be the same. That, yes. Kevin, I know, I know. Kevin, so, tell him. Yeah, exactly. That's why I didn't see you out at Cherry Creek this morning, evidently, huh? <laughs> that is the reason today, yes. That's most definitely the reason. So how you been? Well, I've been doing good. How would you guys do out there on the bike today? We didn't do very well. We were really so, careful. Yeah, that yeah I mean, it's definitely definitely been a little bit different out there as of late but the bite has started to to pick up um the you know the the big key that you're looking for right now is is this water temperature with how these fronts are coming through yeah. so you know we've had a really nice bite up shallow going um right before this last cold front but when you have something this severe come through it definitely changes things so we saw water temperature you know only like three days ago that was you know sitting at that 62 62 degrees up shallow but then as this front comes through, it's going to drive those fish back deep. So instead of catching them in five feet of water like we were doing a couple of days ago, 
going to take a couple days for that to recover, and I would go back to more of your lead core type presentations when you're dealing with uh, you know a shallow main base kind of lake like Cherry Creek. Yeah, completely agree with you. And hey, what's what do you have any information about all the new uh, aerators that they've got on the spring? Yeah, so that's been something that they have done for the last couple of years out there, but have continued to add to them. But those aerators not only help, obviously, the oxygen and, and help the, the, the fish out there, but it additionally will help to lower the, uh, the algae bloom that a lake like that uh. has, has experienced. You know, places like Jackson Lake State Wildlife Area, or State Wildlife Area and State Park up there, for that matter, um, have had an issue already this year. And Jackson and Cherry Creek are very similar because that main basin is not very deep. Um, you know, they're, they're just a, a you know, shallow body yeah. of water with not a ton of structure. Cherry Creek has more structure than Jackson does, but the, the algae bloom is a huge issue. And those aerators help to eliminate that. So let's talk a little bit about in this interim period, if you're not in the shallow bite and you are talking about pulling lead core or some other way of getting deep, what, what are you recommending people use um, in that technique and where sort of in the lake? Are we talking just straight up main basin, just wandering around out there? Or are there some structural places that you probably should be um, sort of trolling around probably where the fish are located? So, you know, this time of year is just so funny because we're, we're what I kind of call a, a shoulder season, but it's very transitional, and every single day is different. So as I approach a day, I'll go out and obviously look at my water temperature, and the closer you get to 60 degrees in the early morning, the more that those fish are going to be very structure-oriented. But I'll go through my typical spots first. I'll look in that 10, 12, 13-foot of water range with my sonar. If I'm not physically seeing fish, I'm doing one of two things, and usually I'll start off by moving shallow first. Yeah. Moving shallow is kind of difficult because when you go up and you fish in three, four, five feet of water, there's a lot of fish that are up in those areas, but the problem is you'll never see them on your sonar. So you have to just go out there and, and utilize casting and utilize your lure as your fish finder. So I like to throw a swim bait or a blade bait in that type of situation, and I'll go around to a couple of different spots looking shallow, and if I'm not catching fish within an hour, that's when I'm bailing out to the basin and then using my sonar again to kind of drive around and, and find the main area of fish. And usually when I'm, when I'm pulling lead core, it is more in the true main basin. So I'm looking in that 20, 21, 22-foot kind of range and pulling relatively small shad-based crankbaits. Yeah. Something like a flicker shad or a shad wrap or a salmon hornet all can be very effective out there this time of year. Yeah, there were, it was interesting this morning because uh, I did exactly what you just talked about and just just fish just weren't biting. They just weren't uh, yep. weren't active. And I think it will get a, better as the day went on. But water temp, Absolutely. water temp. When I got into the lake this morning, I had surface temperatures at 53, 54. Yep. I mean, that's a huge drop. Drop if they were up in the 60s, uh, just yeah. three or four days ago. So that's that's going to change the the fish's mind real quick. So hopefully the next couple of days looks like it's going to warm up. We should get better conditions, and and we'll start yeah, seeing I... those fish moving back up. We're right on that cusp, everyone that's listening out there. I mean, if you want to catch some walleyes, we're coming up on a time frame where we're going to go from the middle of May here all the way through the tail end of July where it's the best time of year to go out there and target walleyes. Yeah. Whether you're wanting to go and cast out of a boat, obviously, there's plenty of fish to be caught in, in all of your front range and eastern plains reservoirs. But additionally, shore fishing can be phenomenal as we're moving up here. So yeah. you know, just a couple of days ago, we started to see those summertime patterns begin to emerge. And we were catching fish in three and four feet of water, and that is just plays to the shore anglers. Uh, it plays to the shore anglers' card. You can fish in all those kind of areas, whether it be Cherry Creek, Chatfield's one area. If you're looking to target walleyes on the shore, that's not my favorite. But if you can go out northeast and do Jackson or 
sterling or jumbo all can fish really well from the shore so target those lakes but these next couple of weeks here next couple of months are are the time to, to target your warm water species yeah i was out at jackson a couple two weeks ago doing some turkey hunting and we spent a couple hours fishing from shore and did really well i was i'd never yeah. fished the uh, lake before and and that riprap along uh, especially where the uh, the campground is there it was really good so it's definitely going to get better yeah, those northeastern lakes, um, you know, especially with how the water we, we we how much water we've had the last couple of years, it's really given those those lakes an opportunity to flourish into really good fisheries right now. And and you know, obviously we have the water this year, but that's something folks should take advantage of. They are irrigation lakes, and they get drawn down every year. And if the water doesn't come this next year to replenish them, those lakes could be hurt. So it's a feast or famine kind of deal. And right now we are most certainly in, in a prime time out there. So those lakes are, are definitely something that folks should think about if they're heading out uh, for some, some multi-day trips or even single-day trips. They're not that far away. So, Austin, I was in the shop the other day. Actually, I think it was yesterday. It might have been the day before. Um, and you guys just have a ton of inventory. Talk to us a little bit about what you have for folks that are looking to do some fishing this time of year and uh, the professionals that you have at the shop that can help people kind of figure out what to, what to buy and what to use to to get the best use of their time and catching some fish. Absolutely. So, you know, the big thing that sets us apart down at Discount Fishing Tackle is the fact that every one of our employees down there not only fishes, but many of them guide as well and all have a vast knowledge of, of whether it be fly fishing or, or conventional fishing to help folks really get out there and, and catch fish. And, and, you know, as far as the, the fly inventory is concerned, you're not going to find a, a store with, with more individual flies than we have down there. Additionally, our tying supply is massive, and all of your accessories, whether it be leaders, tippets, rods, reels, waders, we have great selections of all of those down there. But then as we move into the conventional side of things, certainly we are what I would consider Denver's walleye headquarters. If you're looking for walleye equipment, that's the, the place that you want, whether it be crankbaits or rods, reels, plastics, jigs, anything at all. We've got a very good selection of all of it. But then whether you're, you're fishing trout up in high plains uh, situations like spinny or 11 mile or going bass fishing in a local pond, I have all the stuff to take care of you on all that as well as the advice to get you pointed in the right direction. Austin Parr is with us. Discount Fishing Tackle is a store. And um, Austin, man, again, congrats on the new baby girl. And, uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun for you guys. So congrats Absolutely. there. Hey, real quick, for those uh, maybe wanting to get on the very end of ice fishing, um, any suggestions there or just, man, I hate with the way the weather is fluctuating. It seems like a dangerous thing to get out there around these times. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all your big waters all open um, up in the mountains. So, you know, Granby's open for boating, Spinney's all open for boating and been fishing quite well. Um, some of our good friends have been up there targeting uh, some really nice pikes. That's been productive. But the only opportunities that you may have would be ultra-high elevation hiking opportunities. But particularly with some of that rain and all that wet moisture that we had, I would highly suggest that uh, not to not go and do that right now yeah. um, and hang up the uh, the stuff until next season. However, I do know some people that are still out there doing it. Uh, but definitely, if you're heading up to the mountains right now, taking advantage of your ice on bite rather than trying to, to force a ice fishing high elevation trip is, is, is better. You know, so right at ice off here, you know, places like Spinney and 11 Mile and, and uh, the Delaney Buttes and, and everything up in North Park, you know, Lake John and everything as well, all fish very, very well. Whether you want to fly fish or conventional fish, you can have days that just have fantastic numbers. And that's something to look at for the next couple of weeks, and then that starts to tail off a little bit, and that's really where I like to go and target the walleyes and, 
in May, late May and, and June, July, and then I'll go back up to the super high country going up into the, the, the timberline-type lakes late summer when everything's really hot. And that can also be very, very productive as all, as all those lakes are icing out. Well, good. Awesome, awesome, Austin. So the, the thing for our listeners, I think uh, what you were just talking about and the expertise of the folks that are at the shop is, you know, when you walk into the shop, get some help, ask, tell them what you want to do so that they can kind of lead you around. You guys have more inventory in that shop than anybody realizes, and you just need some help uh, to get yeah. to get folks to, to show you around and, and some great deals and uh, just really good expertise. So when I was in there, we were talking about the shallow bite uh, on Cherry Creek a couple of days ago. Obviously, it didn't happen this morning, but it is going to happen. So fo- how do folks get a hold of you, and where's the shop so that uh, they can come in and see you? Yeah, the shop's uh, called Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. And as far as phone number is concerned, uh, 303-698-2550 is the direct line down at Discount Fishing Tackle. I'm down there quite a bit, but we are going to be doing a lot of guide trips coming up on on Metro Bodies of Water for Walleyes. So um, to get a hold of me directly, 303-514-5546 is my personal number. And we'll be taking some folks out next week. Uh, Looks like the baby's very healthy, which is awesome. So we're going to plan on getting after some guiding here this next week with some of these nice warm days that we're having here, and the, the bites should be really taking off. All right, Austin. Well, hey, man, look, we'll let you go. Tell Courtney thanks for letting you come on with us. <laughs> and uh, good luck with everything, and we'll be in touch. Thank you guys so much. I certainly appreciate Thanks, Austin. All right, thanks, Austin. Don't go anywhere, folks. Jackie Cugini coming up next. Extreme Huntress. Pay attention. we got to get Jackie some votes. We're going to tell you how you can vote for her coming up right after this. Hi, this is Kevin Trisna, owner of M4 Roofing and Gutters. Since 2004, it's been our mission to provide the highest quality of service and trust to every customer we serve. M4 Roofing and Gutters is a family-owned and operated company right here in Englewood, Colorado. At M4 Roofing and Gutters, quality customer service is our top priority. For a free inspection and estimate for your roofing project, call today, 303-797-8600. That's 303-797-8600, or visit us online at m4roofing.com. M4 Roofing and Gutters is an A-plus member of the Better Business Bureau and haystackhelp.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley, and we appreciate you being with us. We're going to go to the phones now and talk to our good friend, Jackie Cuccini. And we met Jackie, good night, several years ago now, um, back at the International Sportsman's Expo, and uh, have developed a great friendship, and she supports our show, and we appreciate that very, very much. So we've got some exciting news for you, um, and uh, we'll kind of start at the beginning to bring everybody up to speed here before we get into our topic today, but just take a minute and um, talk about your background a little bit and how you even got into hunting and being in the outdoors. Well, I tell you what, Mr. Scott, I started in the outdoors when I was wee little. So I went ahead and was in a duck blind with my dad and I started picking up shotgun shells and that's how I kind of got into it and I grew up on the water fishing every single day and then from that point I just had a passion to take it to the next level as I grew up and as I got older and 
And then as I got into my, you know, 20s, I decided to take it to the more of the next level as far as and just wanting to empower women and have women understand that it doesn't matter where you come from or anything like that. You just have to believe in something and go out there and go hunting or go fishing. And, you know, back then, uh, I say back then, in 2012 and stuff, when I previously won this competition, a lot of women weren't accepted if they were hunting or fishing or being in the outdoors. And now that it's being more accepting i want to show people that it doesn't matter where you come from or anything like that you just have to have a dream and a desire to go out there and you could do anything that you want to do in life and that's how i kind of got involved in hunting into this high level of hunting that i'm doing now wow well again we've got some uh, great news and we hope we're going to get everybody brought up to speed here where you can vote for jackie but we're going to be talking about something called the ultimate extreme huntress and uh jackie won a competition was that that was in 2013 correct yeah 2012 2012 okay i think then we met in 2013 <laughs> actually so um take a minute and talk about um you know the original one there that you were in in 2012 and kind of what you had to do to to get into that and then um you know you were um, fortunate enough to win that so tell us a little about that one back then yeah, in 2012, it was the Extreme Hunters competition, and we had to submit a essay of our true passion about hunting. And so I submitted an essay on my true passion and shared it with the world, and the world voted me in to be the Extreme Hunters and travel to Zimbabwe to hunt Cape Buffalo. And once I got to experience that, I just kind of took it to the next level, and that's how you and I met, and then I met so many other wonderful people in the industry and I've just continued it from there to show people and empower women that you could do anything that you want, no matter who you are or what you do. And, like, wildlife conservation is so important, being an outdoors woman and wanting to preserve, like, the natural world of wildlife habitat and the environment. And just to have that passion to, you know, make a conscious effort every day um, so that way we can go out there and do everything that we love. And it's really important about managing our wildlife and that's kind of what the competition was and then that's how we came into the ultimate extreme huntress where it's our 10th anniversary and so they chose four people to go out to represent um, extreme hunters as the ultimate extreme hunters winner and that's why I'm trying to look for more support again you know for me to be able to go out there you know I'm a mother I'm a wife I'm a daughter I'm a sister I'm a friend you know, a hunter, an angler, and that, um, that I'm just looking for that support because I know how hard I work to get here, and I just feel like if other people who know my background and know my history, Mr. Scott, then they'll be able to know that, hey, you know what, she's earned this, and she deserves it, and let's go ahead and support her, and that's kind of why I'm looking for the support from everyone. Sure. Well, we're going to do all we can to get you that support because, like I say, it is cool when people uh, do know, and that's why we want to get you on the show because, I think a lot of times when people see things, they think, oh, well, somebody was born into some family and then everything's just handed to them, you know, on the silver spoon we all hear about. And that is absolutely not the case in, uh, with you. And, I mean, I know you have worked so hard to, to get where you are today. So we're going to do all we can to help you win this. Again, Jackie Cuccini is our guest, and we're talking about the ultimate extreme huntress. Now, let's just talk about how to how to vote and where people go to vote, and then we'll get into kind of how the judges are going to break this down and how the voting will help. All right, so to go to vote, you go to ExtremeHuntress.com, and then you will see that they have the ultimate extreme voting tab. And then when that tab comes up, they have all four of the 
people that are competing against each other, four other finalists. And then, of course, vote for me, Jackie Guccini, (laughs) please. And then you enter your email address, and then you confirm your email address through CrowdSignal. And the reason they ask you to confirm that is so that way it doesn't get hacked. Sure. And and that's how you would vote. And this is the first phase of voting that lasts until June 1st. And the second phase of voting will start once we get back from Zimbabwe and uh, and all the episodes will air then. Okay. So, again, go to ExtremeHuntress.com. You'll see a tab there for Ultimate Extreme Huntress. It will show you the four competitors, but you need to focus on one, and that is Jackie Guccini. Vote for her. (laughs) You will put in your email. And, uh, once again, they will ask you to verify that email. And I guess this is legal to do in this. Some of us that may have two or three emails, um, we could vote a couple of times for you because they are legitimate email addresses, correct? Yes, sir, unless it comes from the same IP address. So the fortunate part okay. of that is if we have a if we have a cell phone, that would be one IP address, and then um, your personal email. But like old school folks like my mom and them, they only have one computer, so her <laughs> and another individual only got to vote once. So, okay, yes, that is all right. Correct. Well, we can do that for you then. All right, now, how are the judges, is it based just solely on um, kind of fan voting, or how are they going to be breaking it down to pick a winner here? No, sir. In the past, it used to be about voting, and uh, they changed that because they don't want it to be a popularity contest. You know, they want it to be about are you truly, you know, an ultimate extreme huntress, of course. So the, the voting is going to be a percentage of our score. So we will have two sections of two times of voting, and that will be a percentage of our score. But then the judges, who is going to be Larry Wassoon and Olivia Nollis, Opry, they're going to judge us as far as how well we do at our competitions, how well do we perform, how much do we know um, about the environment and about wildlife conservation. We're going to have multiple skill challenges that are going to take place at the FTW Ranch in San Antonio on June 28th, like six weeks from now. Wow. <laughs> June 28th, we'll be competing there um, to have to make sure we're in tune with our rifles that we're going to be having. And then we'll all fly out July 1st, like the producers, the, the other competitors. And then we'll all fly to Zimbabwe to hunt at Desfontaine Safaris and go to the Save Conservancy, where we're really going to be focusing on habitat restoration and talking about engaging people for them to understand the true importance about hunting. And I will be hunting dangerous game kate buffalo again for the second go around so wow I'm super excited man i'm and, super uh, and, i'm super jealous yeah. Yep. yeah and yep and then all this voting will be go um up to 100 percent. we'll have the episodes that will air in october and then the winner will be announced um uh, january of 2020 at dallas safari club Wow. Okay, that's cool. And I'm going to try to go that next year. I've never been able to go with that with the ISC here in Denver. has always been real close to that or at the same time. But hopefully, I haven't uh, looked at the dates yet. I would love to get down that Dallas Safari Club for that. So that'd be cool. So let me ask you this. From 2012 till today, have you what kind of shift have you seen with women in the outdoors? You know, I really think it's so much more accepted. You know, Mm -hmm. I I know a lot of women get attacked by the anti-hunters and stuff, but that's no matter what we do. But it's I feel like more women involved and and more women that aren't as afraid, you know, to get out and make a stand to talk about what they need to learn about. Uh, The only one thing I do think that we as women need to work on and 
is to try to help somebody to get, like a woman or a person, to get 10 feet away from camp. You know, I still kind of see that struggle. You know, they're, they're kind of like stuck at camp and they're, they're afraid to venture out on their own. But as far as in the archery world and the hunting world and just being outdoors, I just see so many women and children that are that are out there doing more things than what I've ever seen before. And it's I think because it's more accepted than what it was prior. Gotcha. Absolutely. Again, Jackie Guccini is our guest. She is a competitor here for the Ultimate Extreme Huntress. We need your help. She needs your support. Go to ExtremeHuntress.com. You'll see a tab there for the Ultimate Extreme Huntress. Uh, you'll see Jackie's name there. Click that. Vote for her. They'll ask for your email address. And, uh, again, if you've got a phone and your cell phone and then you've got a maybe a laptop at home, different IP addresses, and you've got a couple of emails, hey, vote twice. And uh, let's help her out and get her to Zimbabwe. And what a cool place. And, as you said, you were fortunate to be there in 2012. So it's got to be just Man, you can't wait to get back there again this this year, right? Yes, sir. Um, and it's going to be the winter time, so it won't be as hot. So I'm kind of a little excited there too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it does get hot there for sure. Now, you said you're going to be hunting real quick, um, uh, Cape Buffalo, and what else, what else will you be hunting? You think? Uh, plains game is one of the things that they mentioned there. So I know that Cape Buffalo for sure is going to be part of the show, but I'll be able to hunt plains game and. Uh, so that's going to be a new exciting experience to me. So I'm super stoked, and, and um, I'm just really excited to be able to experience this for a second time around. Well, good. Well, we wish you all the luck, and you are um, uh, a real delight in the outdoors. I promise you, uh, everyone that's ever met you that's come across our path and has talked about you, uh, nothing but great things. And uh, so we sure wish you the very, very best of luck, and uh, hopefully um, our show can lend a little bit of support here to you so we will do our very best and we'll follow you on facebook so please feel free to share anything with me on facebook and we'll get that posted and follow you through this journey and then when you come back as the winter hey we'll get you back on well thank you so much mr scott i really appreciate it. and thank you all for you do for all of us in the industry and we'll be in touch and i'll i'll keep on keeping on all right that sounds great again that's jackie guccini ultimate extreme huntress Vote for her now. Don't wait or you'll forget. So just do it now. ExtremeHuntress.com. Hit that tab. Ultimate Extreme Huntress. See Jackie's name there. Vote for her. Enter your email. Verify your email. Very important to follow the steps now or the vote doesn't count. So um, make sure you verify that email. And uh, let's make Jackie a winner there for this contest. Well, we want to thank Jackie and we want to thank all of our guests today for Sportsman of Colorado. And most of all, thank you for joining us. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. You can also join us on Sundays now, 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. if you miss our show on Saturdays right here on KLZ 560. So have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.